0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. And today, I really felt led to share with you Around a topic, and for us to explore in God's Word today, a topic that I feel is absolutely necessary, timely, and countercultural to our society and the world around us. Today, I want us to talk about what it looks like for us to actually experience the rest of God in the midst of the busy, in the midst of the anxious, in the midst of exhaustion and, and burnout that is so easily uh, something that people in our society experience today. And and I think it's a necessary conversation for us to have because Ah Man, I don't know about you, but at different times, I feel a little or a lot exhausted just by life, you know? I think it takes a lot to be a responsible adult these days, and especially in the times that we're living in. I mean, between managing finances and uh, managing our careers and our jobs and making sure that errands are run and the bills are paid and making sure that the laundry is done and making sure that we are actively connecting with our community and serving for the greater good and being a part and serving here at church and then making sure that we have time for our friends and our family. I mean, you get what I'm saying? Sometimes it just gets a little lot, right? It's a needed conversation. And then it's a timely conversation because 2020, you know, need I say more? This has been a tiring year for all of us between a pandemic and an economy that's having its ups and downs and racial injustices that have been exposed. And we're living through another election year. I don't know about you, but there have been moments this year where I have been scrolling news on my phone or watching TV and watching the latest news updates. And I just needed a break. Like I literally had to step away and be like, this is getting a little toxic here. I just need a second, you know, to regroup. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. this is also a countercultural conversation because let's face it, we live in a busyness addicted society, you know? We we have instant everything. With a click of a button on our phones, you know, live streaming, instant downloading, instant connection, we get to hail car services and groceries and fast food to our home with a click of a button on our phones. We move fast. Life is happening fast, and we keep going faster and faster, and and we continue to be consuming content at all times. It's, it's abnormal for us to just be still, to be quiet. Our attention spans are at an all-time low. And for Gen Z, the generation, the first generation being completely raised on this digital social media age, so is their mental health. We are overstimulated, over-distracted, overworking in both the name of work and pleasure. It's becoming more and more foreign to us to just have moments of uninterrupted rest where we can reflect, where we can process, where we can create space to hear the voice of God speaking to us in our daily lives. In fact, Bill Ervolino of the Chicago Tribune, he wrote an article in 2017 that I thought was fascinating, and it's titled this, Everybody is Exhausted. Stress and social media are taking their toll. That's that's really encouraging, isn't it, to read a title like that, Everyone's Exhausted. And in it, Bill reports this, that in July of 2017, a survey conducted by the National Safety Council found that 97% of Americans have at least one of the leading factors for fatigue, which include working at night or in the early morning, working long shifts without breaks, working more than 50 hours per week. 43% of respondents said that they do not get enough sleep to think clearly during the day, to make informed decisions, and to be productive. 97% had at least one. 97%. That's like an A-plus grade, right, that we don't want in life. 97% said that they're dealing with fatigue. Like I said, Today's conversation is timely, it's necessary, and it's definitely one that disrupts the norm. Now what I find interesting about this conversation is that I think that intellectually, most of us understand in this room the need for rest. Like if we were to do a quick poll right now, those who are watching here, and maybe those join, joining online at, at another time, they could engage in a different way, maybe through the chat. But right now, those in this room How many of you believe that rest is good for you? Would you raise your hand? Okay, perfect. All right, we're kind of on the same page. Good. How many of you wish you had a little more rest in your life? Would you raise your hand? Okay, so there we just summed up the great dilemma. Like, we know that rest is good for us, but we aren't getting enough of it. Why? You know, recently... My husband and I, we moved apartments. Uh, We are in Manhattan. We're in New York City, so we don't have homes. We have apartments. And uh, we moved into a larger apartment at the beginning of the year, and we were really excited, and it had some upgrades. It had a washer and dryer in the unit. And when I say that outside of New York City, everybody's like, well, of course you have a washer and dryer. But in New York City, that's actually quite a rare thing. It's like a good staple. You are in a good spot. Stay here for a few years. You've got a washer and dryer in your unit. And so we moved in, and I was really excited to start using this new apartment. Appliances that were bigger, uh, or they were newer than the ones that we had had before. And I used the washer great. I used the dryer, did a load of laundry, and all of a sudden, as soon as I turned it on, it sounded like there was construction happening in our apartment. Like it was so loud, this noise. And uh, we called our manager. They took a look at it. They sent some people to to take a look at the dryer, and they said, you know, it's it's there's a part that needs to be changed and switched out. They looked into getting that part, and they found that the appliance was so old that they no longer make that part to repair it, so they just had to get some new washer a new washer and dryer for us, which I'm okay with. I wasn't complaining. That sounds great. But then the pandemic happened, and so there was a back order on everything. So it took months for us to get our washer and dryer. And finally they installed the new washer and dryer. And I mean, this is so nice. Some of you have washer and dryers like this, but it's like one that's like got all the buttons, you know. When a load of laundry is done, it like sings to you at the end. It's like doo doo doo. I'm like, oh, thank you. You're making my day wonderful in many ways. I was so excited to use this and so we use the washer, great, use the dryer and s- still this noise, all of a sudden this noise comes back and it is just as loud, it's louder than ever Uh, my husband hears the noise. We call our manager. The manager hears it. It's so loud in our apartment building that he thinks something must be wrong in the building, like that there's a pipe that's broke or something that's happening, a leak on the roof. So he's frantic to try to figure out what's going on. And they bring in somebody. They examine it. They take a look at it. They find that it's actually not the appliance, but there's something wrong with the fan. And in order for them to get to the fan, they have to go into a guest bedroom of ours, not even the same room where the, the dryer is. They had to, cut a hole in the ceiling so that they could get to the fan, and they realized that there was something off with the fan. It had had gotten off of its alignment, and that was making the noise. (laughs) So I'm actually really happy that it took them that long to find that out because I got a new washer and dryer, so I'm not complaining. But the moral of the story is that if you want to actually change what is happening, you have to get to the root issue. You can't just upgrade. You can't just read a book. You can't just attend a seminar. You have to get to the root issue of what is going on. You have to know the deep why of what is causing something if you're going to get a different result. And so today, with the time that we have, I want us to explore the deep why. Why is it that rest is something that feels more and more foreign to us? And what would it look like for us to develop a rhythm of rest in our lives that gets to receive rest as the gift from God that it actually is? So let's talk about four reasons why I believe and scripturally we see why we don't rest the way that we could be and how we could begin to experience the rest that is going to cause us not just to survive in life, but to actually thrive. So here's the first reason. The first reason I believe that we don't actually rest and receive rest the way that we could is because we don't understand that rest is a gift from our heavenly Father who loves us. Now, I think when we talk about things like work and productivity and rest, I recognize that that's a bit of a loaded kind of conversation. Because we all have our different backgrounds and experiences that we bring to this conversation. You know, some of us, we grew up in homes and environments where there was a great value placed on working hard. And for some of us, there was always a concern about finances in the home. Maybe we grew up in environments where that was a a conversation piece that was always very stressful and we were always having to really fight to make ends meet. Maybe we might be in a situation like that right now ourselves. Maybe it caused a lot of tension in the home. And maybe we were sent the message one way or the other that if we were at any moment resting, that that was somehow being lazy, that 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 was somehow not as acceptable as continuing to work, work, work. And maybe some of us have had experiences in our own life. Either we've had seasons of a lot of financial strain or we've had jobs and experiences with bosses or coaches that have led us to believe that rest is a luxury that we just can't afford and that somehow work is more morally superior to rest. Now, the problem with this thinking is that over time we begin to see God a little bit like some sort of very demanding foreman and we are the workhorses and that God works for those who work and that he always constantly is demanding our blood, sweat, and tears, and anything less than that is being lazy, it's being ungrateful. Now, in Scripture, we definitely see a theme that working diligently and working excellently is a form of worship to God, that we are called as Christians to work in such a way that people see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. We see that work is actually something that can be holy and sacred in our lives, but we also see That God doesn't just model what it means for us to work in a godly way, but also rest. In fact, when we are first introduced to God in the Bible, in Genesis, at the very beginning of time, what does God do? He works, yes, but then what does he do? He rests. In Genesis chapter 2 It reads this way, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his creation. Now, I'm convinced, personally, from my own experience and examining scripture, that God is absolutely infinite in his power and his strength and his might. I don't think that God rested on the seventh day because he needed it. I think he rested because he was teaching us something and because there was joy in the rest. Now for us, it's a little different. We actually need the rest. We have physical limits. But God is also showing us in Genesis 2 that rest is not just something that we need so that we can regain the energy to just keep working, 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 but there's actually joy in the rest for us, that it is a gift to be received in our lives. And Jesus actually echoes this. Jesus continues this in his teachings in the New Testament. Listen to the language that Jesus, the Son of God, who models the heart of God for all humanity, who reveals God the Father to all of us, he says in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are." For what weary and burdened and what I will give you rest." Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, make no mistake about it. Yes, God wants us to work. Yes, there is joy in the work. Yes, there is progress in the work. Yes, God will bless the work but also God gives us rest and we need both. And when we work well and we rest well in both of those spaces, we experience gifts from God blessing from God he loves us as a heavenly father and he gifts us with rest as a gift to receive I think another reason why we don't rest is not only because we don't understand that it's a gift from God but also we find our identity in what we do we over time can easily find our identity in our busyness now we're trained to do this by the way from almost like day one When you meet somebody, what is one of the first questions that they ask you or you ask them? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Hi, what's your name? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? do do?" It's all about what we do, right? And St. Augustine, he wrote this, and oh, it's truth for all of us and our souls today. God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. Ooh. Preach St. Augustine, preach. Because I think many times... We end up sacrificing our well-being on the altar of exhaustion because we find our identity and our self-worth in what we do. And so we begin to intertwine our work and our productivity with who we are. We begin to find our identity in the job title and the position and the career and the paycheck and how big the home is, who we know, (laughs) our career and ministry clout and achievements over time. And what really we begin to do is we begin to idolize our work. Instead of seeing work as a form of worship to God, now we are worshiping our work. Now it's dangerous because it's an idol that always demands more, right? Because we'll we'll never have a big enough office We'll never have a big enough paycheck. We'll never have a big enough platform. We'll never have big enough followers. It'll never be enough. And ultimately, all of this is simply a search for significance, isn't it? It's revealing that every single one of us, what we really, really long for is unconditional love, for someone to tell us what our value is. And friends, that can only be found in Jesus Christ his love, and his love alone. And when we get a revelation of how unfailing God's love is towards us, that he loves us not because of what we do, but he loves us because of who he is, and we begin to understand that his love is unrelenting in our lives, his love is unconditional, that we are children of God, then we are able to no longer find our identity just in what we do and our career achievements and our productivity and how successful we are as a teacher or a boss or a mom or a dad. Instead, we get to find our identity in who God says we are. Now we're free. (sighs) We're free to rest. Guilt-free, shame-free, knowing that we're more than what we do. We're children of God. I think another reason why we don't receive the rest that God has for us is because we don't truly and completely believe that God will provide for us. Can I go there? You know, Psalm 23 says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. This is such a tremendous promise of rest that God gives us. I think there's a reason Psalm 23 is one of the most well-known. People who don't read scripture, not following God, they'll be familiar with this because it like speaks to this deep need we have. We need this kind of refreshing. We need this kind of rest. And God alone is the one who gives it. And yet all of this beautiful imagery of what rest could feel like and be like for our lives is all contingent on one belief. It begins the whole psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's this belief that God is my provider, that he's taking care of me, that he's got me on my worst day and on my best day, on the best of circumstances and in the worst of circumstances, he's got me. It's that belief that absolutely determines how we approach every single day of work and rest. And if we truly believe in the goodness of God to provide for us, in the faithfulness of God to provide for us, then it is a lot easier at the end of the day to connect with friends and family around the dinner table without having to check the work emails and to be present. It's a lot easier when you trust that God is your provider to take the day off, to refresh and refuel and to be around the people that you love, knowing that just because you stopped working doesn't mean that God has, that he's always working for you And he's always providing for you. It comes down to whether or not we choose to believe this. Now, I will admit that in my life, this has been a struggle for various reasons. I think that there's been moments in my life where it has been easier for me to believe that God will provide for that person over there and I'll cheer them on. And when they share the praise report in church, I go, yeah, God is awesome. But then for me, I'm not quite sure. And I've had to continue to Repent. I've had to continue to renew my mind to the truth of who God is in this area of my life and just continue to surrender it to the Holy Spirit. And and more and more, I continue to experience God's faithfulness that reminds me He is my provider, that I can rest. Just recently, um, you you heard from Pastor Mike that I uh, am the co founder of a company. And we launched our company a couple years ago, and truly, it's, it's really at the heart of it, it's a ministry for women. And uh, we have been making some plans and praying this year, and my co-founder and I and our team, we decided that this was the right time for us, and it was the next step for us as a company to raise capital. I've never done anything like this in my life, and we're actually in the middle of raising capital right now. And uh, before we launched our campaign, Uh, a week before, we reached out to just a handful of friends and supporters, and we let them know what we were doing. We let them know what our goal would be and said, hey, can you be praying for us if you'd love to be a part or support us in any way? I had no idea what the response would be, so we sent that out. I remember sending out those emails. By the end of that same afternoon, I had gotten two calls from people, and between those two donors, we'd already exceeded our original goal like that quickly. We hadn't even made the campaign public and we already reached our goal. So I got off the phone and I was at my, uh, I was home by myself my husband was out. And uh, I got off the phone and I just went crazy. I mean, I just started running around the house. Like, I, I mean, it would have been a kid with a lot of sugar on Halloween, like running around the house. I was jumping up and down. And then I put on worship music. I was singing Promises. I don't know if you know that song. And I'm singing this song in my house and I just start crying. And two things immediately I I became very aware of. One was the kindness of God. Because God could have provided at any moment during the campaign. He could have come through that way, like at any moment. But to do it on the very first day, wow, the kindness of God, you know? And then my second thought was, wow, I have to repent here. Because my faith was so small. Like My God is so big, and here I was believing that this would be a miracle. And he's already done something that I thought was gonna take us at least 40 days. He did in one afternoon. So I need to go back to the drawing board and dream with God and have a little bit bigger faith for what could be. Now, I share this story with you because I know that we all have moments where we're in seasons where we're trusting in the provision of God. And sometimes that trust is easier than others. I'm sharing this story to encourage you God is a provider and he's the greatest provider. And you could interpret the story in a couple different ways. You could interpret the story and go, oh, wow, I wish God would come through for me in one afternoon. Or you maybe could interpret it like it's more like three years in one afternoon because that's how long we've been building the company. But either way, I want you to know, regardless of whether or not it's in an instant or it's over time, that you can trust God. And the more and more that we can identify the places of unbelief in our heart and just continue to surrender them to a father who loves us and cares for us, he will continue to show himself faithful time and time again. We can trust him. And when we trust him, we're able to enter into rest. When we don't trust him and we think we've got to take care of us, when we see ourselves as the ultimate source of provision in our lives, then we never truly can rest. Rest is possible for those who trust in the provision of God. And finally... The last reason, and I'm sure there's many more, but the last reason I want us to look at as to why we don't actually receive on a regular basis the rest that God has for us is because we're afraid of what we'll discover when we rest. I actually believe that work and busyness, it's a great distraction. I think sometimes it's easier to work the late night than it is to work on the marriage. Easier to scroll on Instagram for a couple hours than it is to get honest and vulnerable with close friends in your life about where you're really at. Easier to just Netflix binge than it is to turn off the TV and cry out to God for the healing that you really need. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't think there's anything innately wrong with work or connection through entertainment and any of those things, but when they become weapons of mass avoidance in our lives, then we have a problem. In Isaiah, God says to his people these words that, man, when I first read this, struck a chord for me. It says, for thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength, but you were unwilling. Hmm. I think about so many times in my life that I allowed exhaustion and burnout because I was unwilling. I was unwilling to deal with the deeper issues of my soul. I was unwilling to stop and pause and let God speak to me and maybe correct me and challenge me and discipline me and love me. I was unwilling to face the things that I needed to face, the tough conversations in my relationships or the reprioritizing in my heart and soul that needed to happen and yet it's in the rest when we're quiet enough to hear God speak to us, when we're still enough to tend to the things of the heart and soul that really matter, that's where our healing is. That's where God intervenes in our lives. I wanna encourage us not to run from rest because of what it might expose, but to lean into rest to receive the healing that God has for us. So if we know we should rest and we've identified some of the core issues that keep us from receiving the rest that God has for us, then what are some ways that we can begin to embrace it and receive it in our lives for the gift that it is? Well, I want to leave us with three very practical and quick ways that we can begin to receive the rest of God. And I say practical because the scripture is the word of God is, it's mysterious, it's sacred, it's divine, it's complex, it's, it's never-ending revelation in our lives, but also it's quite practical at times. It gives us the tools for us to actually succeed in our everyday lives. So what does it look like for us to receive this rest? Well, first, <laughs> number one, we can receive the rest of God when we seek God first. Number one, seek God first. I love the words, that Jesus speaks to us as disciples in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek for Jesus is saying here, don't get caught up in the rat race of worry and exhaustion. But be different. You don't need to carry on like they do. You don't need to work yourself to the very end of yourself like they do. No, you can seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you can know that your needs are gonna be met. You can live counterculture, but it's all about who's first in your life. Jesus is calling us to seek him first, not third, not fourth, not last. Not only when I'm really, really in a bind, but seek him first. So what does it look like for you to seek God first? In your everyday daily life, what does that look like? For me, that looks like getting up early, but I'm a morning person, so I'll say that. But get up early, get my cup of coffee. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of coffee. Get my Bible, sit down, and I begin to read scripture, and I pray. And I take some moments to meditate on the goodness of God before the day gets going, and I get caught up in the day That's my way of seeking God first. But what does it look like for you? Maybe it's different spiritual disciplines. Maybe it's at a different time of day. Maybe you're a night owl and it's at night. Maybe you got young kids and you're like, you know what? When I'm in the bathroom and the door is closed, that's the only time my children are not asking for me. So that's going to become sacred space. Whatever it needs to be in your life, how are you seeking God first? Here's what I know about seeking. It's active, it's not passive, which means we got to do something every day to seek God first, but when we seek God first, then we are denying the temptation to be caught up in this rat race. And instead we get to find our rest and we get to not just have to strive for things in our daily lives, but now we can walk in the rhythms that God has for us, full of faith, full of hope, confident in the provision of God. Seek God first. Number two, commit to rest daily. Commit to rest daily. Isaiah forty thirty one says this, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I love this, because the language here is not survival mode, is it? It's like running, soaring, yes. Speaks to how we were designed to live, that we were created for more. Not the bare minimum, but God wants to bless us. He wants us to thrive and flourish in every season of our lives. And yet that's possible only because of this renewal. And I believe that renewal is not a one-time thing. Renewal is a daily experience that we get to have because the Spirit of God is always with us. I think often we have a mentality that rest is something that's once a year, it's called vacation, when we can actually experience renewal every day in the presence of God. And so what does it look like for you to create daily rhythms of rest? We get real practical now not just once a week or not just once a year. Now we all have jobs, we all have lives, we all have kids, we all have have responsibilities in this room. I'm not suggesting that we deny those responsibilities. I'm just saying, how can we be intentional about rest being in our daily rhythm? So maybe that looks like taking the lunch break. (laughs) Maybe that looks like at the end of the day saying, when we're eating at the dinner table, the phones are being put away so we can connect with each other. Maybe that looks like ending our day with some prayer so that we can actually talk to God about some of the anxieties maybe that have come up in the day and we can lay down our burdens before him and sleep knowing that God's taking care of us. I don't know what it looks like for you, friends, but I do wanna invite you into finding some moment in your everyday where you commit to rest. And finally, and this is the last one, perhaps the greatest way that we can experience the rest that God has for us, and it's this, honor the Sabbath weekly. The Sabbath, the one day a week, that we step away from work, the one day a week that we don't check the emails, the one day a week that we don't have that one lunch meeting, (laughs) the one day a week that we rest and refresh. And that day could look different for all of us, but it is a day that God has given us as a gift and also as a command. And Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 14 reads this, observe the Sabbath day. Keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. Do you see this? Like, God's like, no work. No work. No excuses. Just no work. Everybody take a break. I love that God knows us. Because I think in this area of our lives, we're like, but, 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 this is an exception. but, but, but what about this? But but, but I'm just going to do this one thing. Like, God knows us. He knows us so well that even when he writes this command, he goes into more explanation than the other commands, knowing that this is the one that we're going to try to have excuses about. The Sabbath is a day of the week that we set aside from work to rest and honor God. Now, I do want to note, like I've said before, that the important detail here is this is not a suggestion. It is a command. Now, I don't want to have a legalistic approach towards this conversation, but I do want us to honor God. I wanna encourage you to commit to honoring God and receiving the rest that he has for you once a week. And I do believe that it's contextualized to your season of life and your work schedule and what works best for you. We're having a shame-free conversation right now around this topic, but I do want you to reflect and say, God, am I actually honoring you in this area? And what could it look like for me to trust you enough to take one day away? And what would look like rest for me? God, show me, Holy Spirit. What would look like rest for my family? What would look like rest in my marriage? What would that look like? And what could you do in that space? Because it's in this space of honoring God through the Sabbath that truly we keep those four reasons we talked about earlier at bay in our hearts. When we honor the Sabbath, then we are, receiving the gift of rest that God has for us. When we are honoring the Sabbath, then we are taking a day where we're reminding ourselves, I'm more than what I do. I'm a child of God and I get to just rest and be. When we honor the Sabbath, we are trusting that even though we're resting, God is still working and providing for us. And when we honor the Sabbath, then we're allowing space in our heart and soul for the spirit of God to speak to us, to bring healing to the broken places of our lives. In fact, Shelley Miller says this, rest provides fine-tuning for hearing God's messages amidst the static of life. And Charles Spurgeon wrote this, rested time is not wasted time. It is economy to gather fresh strength. It is wisdom to take occasional furlough. In the long run, we shall do more by sometimes doing less. (laughs) I want to pray for us today. And I want to pray for us that we would Yes, that we'd commit to being people that receive rest, but also I want to pray for those of us who find ourselves just weary in this room, that you would be refreshed by the Spirit of God here in this moment today, that you would have a renewed strength that you would be able to, in this season of your life, whatever you're up against, whatever challenges you're facing, that you would be able to live out what we read in Isaiah, that you would soar on wings like eagles, that you would run and not grow weary, that you would walk and not be faint, that your strength would be renewed in this place right now. I'm gonna pray for you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you give us rest. Yes, you give us work and also you give us rest and we receive your rest right now. Lord, we repent of the places where we've been addicted to busyness, where it's been hard to be silent and still to hear your voice, where we've been distracted, where we've been overwhelmed. We bring it all to you right now, God, and we say, be our God of rest, refresh our souls, restore our souls in the rest, speak to us in the rest, bring healing to relationships, to marriages, to families, bring healing and restoration to our own lives and our hearts, God, in the rest, we receive it. We receive it afresh and anew. And we pray, God, that you would lead us beyond this day and this time that we have together to the unforced rhythms of grace, of work, and rest that you have for us day in and day out, Holy Spirit. May we not worship our work and our busyness, but worship you and find you in the work, and in the rest, and all to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.